I'm the Ted Kennedy of comedy. (laughs) (laughs) I somehow just keep coming out of the water alive. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> I can honestly say I never thought I'd hear Ted Kennedy on a wrestling podcast. Right? Good work, Drew. <laughs> I'm fishing, if nothing else. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Other Ship. We're bringing you a special recap episode of what arguably could be the best premium live event, call them a pay-per-view, that WWE has put on this year in Money in the Bank. A very, very, very solid show. Lots of stuff happening from top to bottom. They really, really knocked it out of the park here. And if you go back and listen to our preview episode, you're going to find out how right we were about a lot of things because we're cool like that. All right, so you know me. I'm one of your own four hosts here, Chris freaking Spiker. And along for the ride here, we have our incredible producer extraordinaire with his somewhat toxic opinions on things, Michael T.S. Herrick. Mike, how you doing, bud? Oh, I'm great. Ready to drop some uh, perhaps unpopular opinions on the masses? Sure. We have our boy, Dr. Drew. I'm good. <laughs> There's a well, playback to an old episode of other things. <laughs> How's everybody doing? It's good to be here. Good, good, good. And our special guest, your friend and mine, but he's not your friend. There's probably something wrong with you, Mr. Jamie Ward. Jamie, how the hell are you? I'm doing great, and it's great to be back again, guys. It's always our pleasure to have you. Thanks for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule to roll with us for a little bit, enjoying your last bit of quiet time before the wife comes home. Uh, absolutely. I mean, even though I'm not on the Mount Rushmore like someone else here. Um, uh, <laughs> you, I'll take you know the what? honor of being in the top six. Hey, you know what? I mean, I'm up there with some pretty elite company. Antonio's not even on there. Okay, I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, wow. But, I forgot Antonio. I but, noticed there was no mention of the moderators. Yeah, and but they put Javorski on there? Uh, I don't get it. Which well, there which, was the amount of mention, so I I kind of I kind of get. But I, now you say Antonio, Antonio definitely should have been right in the, in the top. Three. I mean, yeah, I totally agree with that. Not saying he takes my spot, but if it came down to when the other three didn't want to give it up, I would gladly give up my spot on the mountain for Antonio. Imagine his face carved on that rock and how big that smile would be. Fucking awesome. Oops, I just well, it's that part. No, earbuds, <laughs> earbuds, earbuds. earbuds. Earbuds, Antonio, you did not hear that come out of your buddy's mouth. Anyways, yes, if you're listening to this right now, the final episode of Breaking Cape drop, and we drop a lot of accolades towards them, but they're the reason why we're here. And they really knocked out of the park with the final episode this week. So props to you guys. Props to Jeff, Barry, and Lou for being a soundtrack for the last six years for a lot of things. Absolutely. The sweet, yep. sweet dulcet tones. And I don't know what kind of Patreon money I'm going to throw up for Lou to do the full version of Misa Horny, but damn it, that was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> JJ was very, very concerned as why daddy was laughing so hard. Then then he got a little upset. So Luke Kippelman, you made my kid cry. Um <laughs> well, so, that makes two of us now. 
<laughs> it's true. It's true. Anyways, so last Saturday, it's hard to believe that it seems longer than that. Time has no meaning anymore. That WWE rolled out their yearly spectacular Money in the Bank from London, England. And we spent a fair amount of time talking about this show last week because we were all pretty excited for it because it was definitely going to be a needle mover. And I don't even think we expected, I mean, we did, but we didn't expect to be right about a lot of things. Mike even watched his booking before the show, just to be sure. <laughs> um, so, gentlemen, what do we think overall before we start breaking it down? Well, one thing I want to touch on, you said uh, in the open there that it was maybe the best premium live event that WWE has put on this year. That's saying something because they have not put out a bad show this year. Every oh, absolutely. Single, uh, premium live event, pay-per-view, whatever you want to call them, they've all been great at a bare minimum. But this was almost completely perfect from top to bottom. There were a couple of little things that I think should have been done differently, but by and large, nothing to complain about here at all. But but everything made sense, though, too. That's oh, yeah. what I liked yeah, about yeah. it was it wasn't like, what the fuck is this? It's okay, this actually makes sense with what they've been doing. You definitely could see the Triple H influence, um, which has almost been a year since last, last year at SummerSlam with each pay-per-view and each one or TLE has stepped up even a little bit more. I mean, the only one that came close to being a little of a stinker was, in my opinion, WrestleMania Night 2. But WrestleMania Night 1 was the best one until this one. And as you just said, everything just flowed nicely. I will say, I believe the John Cena and Grayson Waller thing may have been a little Vince McMahon influence there. That seemed to drag on forever to me. It could have been done yeah. quick, I think. And that's one of the few complaints I would have is, it's fine that they did it. And it, having done that, I really hope they're going to deliver a WrestleMania to England because otherwise, you know, that was that was pretty dirty to do. I think it could have been wrapped up a lot quicker. Yeah. Than- They'll go back to booing John Cena if they don't get a WrestleMania soon. <laughs> yeah, say, to Mike's point of if they would have cut that segment down by like four minutes, they would have left on a super high because that was it was over quite, quite well. <laughs> when he first hit the ring, the crowd was with it. Very loud, very into it. Grayson Waller comes out. They're with it. They're with it. And then they kind of they played the string out a little too much, I think. Yes, but still it wasn't but to Jamie's point very Vincey you know with the uh, the call and response stuff with the crowd and then going too long with it and it wasn't no, I, Grayson's fault either so no, let's no. not harp it on him so no, I, I just I think part of that that's just kind of that's Cena's shtick that's what he right. did throughout his entire career that's how they did things and you know he's just he's used to that format and how they did it and it was probably just okay we got him here to do this we'll let him do his thing and then we'll go from there yeah might have just been a little overindulgence on his part right i i don't think that they probably said okay john you've got x amount of time right. it was just go out and do your thing whatever the cue <laughs> is racing to come out you know you say that word he'll come out and then we'll go home with it but it could have gone shorter his veteran ear should have heard that it was right. time to go back sooner yeah right. <laughs> yeah, I think I honestly and I think I said this while we were discussing this the, the, while the show was actually going on was I think it would have been more effective if Grayson Waller came out and just started running down how terrible Brit was and how superior Australia was. And then I think Cena's pop would have been, I mean, it's still massive, but I think it would have been even bigger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he bring him out as the hero to shut up the annoying heel. Sure. And, 
you could have gotten the segment over shorter that way because Cena kind of came out and said, hey, hi, nice to see everybody. You know, you must really not like this guy. You ain't booing me this time. You know, you go back and forth a little bit. Then he hits him with the AA. Boom. Yeah. You know, but I mean, that was like the only like thing that was like, oh, God, is this over yet? The rest of it was superb. Shall we get to the before we do? I just want to say that. After it with Jamie, the the show that comes to mind as being my favorite before this was Night One of WrestleMania. I mean, they've all been incredible this year, but that's the one that really jumped out at me when Mike and I were discussing it on the last night about, you know, the best one from top to bottom. And I'd have to say Night One of WrestleMania in my mind was the one that really jumped out. But let's get into it. Let's start off hot like they did with the men's money in the bank ladder match. And I think Mike, you called this one. I do believe I think you called this one correctly, didn't you? Yeah, I, I picked Priest to win. And I know that the Fans wanted LA Knight. I know there were a lot of people online and in the arena and everything else that were let down. LA Knight's over. He doesn't need the briefcase to do anything with him. He's going to keep climbing. Damian Priest and the Judgment Day getting the briefcase there opens up a wide range of storylines you can go with. We've already started. I don't know if any of you guys watched Raw, read results, whatever, but uh, Rollins was defending the title at the end of the show. Priest comes out like he's going to cash in, and then Finn jumps in and attacks Rollins, and ref calls for the bell, ends the match, and you get a little shoving and talking back and forth between Finn and Priest over Finn coming out and ruining Damien's chance, and Finn saying, well, you did this to me Saturday. So, you know, there's things you can do here, and I think it's better with Priest having it for what they can do going forward than L.A. Knight carrying it around because he wouldn't be cashing it in anytime soon. And he's at the level, he needs to go ahead and take like the U.S. title off of theory and use that as his next step as they continue to push him to a main event because he's right there and he's got the crowd behind him, but they don't have a program for him right now. Yeah, I think they just need to bide their time with LA Knight till maybe closer to WrestleMania because they got to sell almost 85,000 seats two nights in a row in Philadelphia. So they really need to have a reason for people to come out. And if you have been screwing LA Knight over to up to that point, and like you just said, maybe an intercontinental title match with Gunther or uh, U.S. title with Theory, or even by that time, if who's ever the WWE World Champion at that point. Yeah, there's lots of things you can do. I just don't think that there was anything currently that he had to have the briefcase for to move forward with his character and his storylines, whereas it was needed for Priest, and Priest has done everything they've asked of him and then some over the last year. Teaming with Bad Bunny and getting him over, working against him and getting him even more over. You know, this is a bit of a reward for a guy who deserves it, I would say. Yeah, he's been a good team player. Yeah. And and look, even um, Finn... Finn's getting more of a push than than he has in this entire um, yeah the uh, the brief saga help with the whole saga of the Judgment Day. It's a it's the perfect foil to go right in the middle of all their circulating stories that could be the catalyst for them to disband as a group. Do you guys remember on the Four Horsemen DVD where Tully's talking about how none of the incarnations really worked after Herd screwed him out of coming back to WCW, and he mentioned how he was the blasting cap and like the thing that made the gave the explosiveness to the horseman that's what the briefcase is doing for the judgment day it's like that that powder keg that can blow the whole group up 
potentially, or maybe pull them all together and rally them behind somebody. I think it was the right call, even though the crowd didn't like it. You know, I wanted LA Knight to win, and I think that ending stretch where he was going through throwing everybody out of the ring and popping everybody in the face and throwing everybody out, and the crowd got super hyped. I hope somewhere somebody was listening to that backstage and said, okay, he's got it, and he's good. Even though he didn't win, but I mean, I have no problem with Priest winning for the reasons Mike mentioned. He's done nothing but incredible things the last year, and has definitely deserved where where he's at to begin with and then you know anything they're gonna have going forward which i can't wait to see like i'm very curious to see how this one's gonna play out because just when you think you know there's a curveball unless mike's wearing his really fancy booking hat then he can figure it out I mean, we might be headed here, you know, looking down the line as far as maybe even Survivor Series. We may be looking at L.A. Knight against Logan Paul. That would be interesting. Because that's, and that kind of a LA Knight, I mean, I want to call him Punisher Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he, he he won the money in the bank, L.A. Knight still came out of that looking very good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they made him look fantastic and put him over huge. And that's why, you know, like Chris said, he hopes the people in the back are listening and, and everything. They know. I am not the least bit worried about what Triple H is going to do with L.A. Knight going forward. He knows what he's got there, but they just aren't at the point where they can give him the big push and strap the rock to his back. There's not a there's not a place he fits in in the main event picture currently but it's coming soon. And the other guy that came out of this looking good was Ricochet. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to just guess at SummerSlam we were going to get Ricochet, Logan Paul. Yeah. yeah. I hope so. I think that would be fantastic. Provided Paul doesn't have a broken neck we don't know about. Right. That was, yeah. that was oh a my God. Bump. I got to say it's awful. I'd have to put that one on Ricochet actually. Looking back at it, he just like was like, go, we're going. You know, it had that uh, New Jack, Vic Grimes fall feel to it. Like one guy wanted to go and the other one hesitated kind to feel yeah and it was just out of sync from the beginning and the ropes seemed a little loose thank goodness it was uh not bad Bella agrees i know it didn't go well and sometimes you've just got to eat those and say okay yeah it was going to be an amazing spot let's figure something else out for two minutes down the road and go through the tables that way this isn't the the way to risk things they're both lucky if they got out of that without any kind of injury that could have been really bad that was their uh, designated spot to get them out of the ring so that they could get into the finish right you know the big bump that they take so that they can just kind of lay there on the floor for the finish right. and stuff. <laughs> i don't think that anybody wanted them to get up and get in the ring any damn way after that one <laughs> take, take that <laughs> yeah because that was that that got a ooh from me real quick and it looked bad what happened to ricochet and logan paul was kind of obscured behind the, the corner where the aisle met the front row there at the corner so i couldn't really tell how or what he landed on if he went sh- straight down on his head but the way all the refs ran right to him it was like oh shit right yeah it, it must shit. have been a nasty looking bum from their vantage point i would say that or it's just hey he's the celebrity he's the investment we've got to check on <laughs> they probably got some lights of london on him yeah the other thing that definitely came out of that match was Shinsuke, Butch, and Santos aren't in the class of the other four. No, they. I wish Santos would have got a little more shine. And I thought they all stood well, though. Hey. Yeah, I just, there was so much of the focus was on the top four, basically. L.A. Knight, Reese, Hall, and Ricochet. And the others just didn't get enough spots, I don't think. Which, if you're not doing the big crazy bump, then, you know, you're probably not going to get as much spotlight. 
So right. I thought well, Butch had a couple of nice little spots where he did the moonsault outside the ring off the ladder. Yeah. And he had the finger break spot on top of the ladder going up for the briefcase. You know, he had a little yes. bit of shine. I thought Butch showed well. And like I said, I thought I thought Shinsuke was mid, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and which I had hoped to see Shinsuke get a, a chance to climb back up the ladder. No pun intended here. Right. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, Butch would have been much better off and had a stronger showing if he was Pete Dunne, not Butch. Uh, <laughs> Agree. Yeah. I'm I'll still, agree with that. I'm still not over that. I'm still not over that old debacle. The, the gimmick is crazy. It kills me. Like when they got the suspenders and like the Peaky Blinders thing and they're doing the rest of us, the rest of us, the rest of us, the rest of the rest of It's like, I don't know even know how to describe that. Well, that part's like Popeye or something. Yeah. I mean, if they would have just straight up done a Peaky Blinders ripoff, I would have been a million billion stars but got to throw in some of the goofiness too, I guess. I don't know. No, it was one of the other sick bumps is when uh, Logan Paul dove off the ring onto, was a priest on the ladder? And the ladder didn't have any give it off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then and then Paul, you know, bounces back. I'm not, I'd be surprised if he didn't bust a rib door in that one. Yeah, I could easily see that or, or dislocated if not broke. Yeah. <laughs> that spot actually, Logan Paul had his crew in the front row and when he hit that bump, he hit the ground and you could tell he was like, oh shit. Shit, that didn't feel good. The guy throws him one of his sports drinks. You need a prime. Paul's <laughs> <laughs> laying there on the ground drinking it. That's hilarious. Gotta get the cheap plug in. I said, there goes kayfabe. She's gone. <laughs> I would have laughed and it wouldn't have been too much going on in the match. There was already a lot going on in the match. If the giant prime cam made a reappearance for that dude was hilarious at WrestleMania. If he made an appearance, start scaling up the ladder and somebody came out and took her. No, he would have gotten the uh, finger treatment. Yeah, I wanted to see the return of the drone cam for Money in the Bank. Yes. Drone cam cam would have been really cool. Yeah, throughout the match, that would have been fantastic. Just cut away to a, a, a view here and there for big spots. That would have been brilliant. That's a really good point, Drew. Well, this big, like a big keeping turn type shot. Yep. But maybe it'd be just too much of a distraction to the fans. Yeah. That could be. Which parents, if you're listening, do not let your infants watch a butch match because they want to emulate the finger breaking spot. JJ has decided he wanted <laughs> to try that. All the time he grabs my hand now and eventually and he's a very strong little kid. So eventually it's going to come a spot where I'm going to just show up here and I'm going to have like a broken hand or something like that. And be like, thanks, Butch, because he, he just finds that hilarious. So he throwing punches at you yet. The, he, the infant got those eye socket sized fists. They go right in there, man. He likes to do the old Memphis style eye ray, like the old thumb to the eye trick, which <laughs> me being paranoid about my eyes, I am personally not really a fan of. But at the same time, it's like, dude, it's like I realize you're seven months old and don't know any better. So it's like that kind of fine line you're walking between trying not to be angry at him. You're like, ah! So you're going to let JJ watch the Three Stooges and he'll really learn how to torment I mean, you. I mean, at some point, he's got to watch the Three Stooges. Three Stooges are legendary. Either he's going to listen to this podcast and, you know, realize he, he can hear Three Stooges talk at any point. <laughs> if I ever get the chance to get up and dance, I do the curly shuffle. <laughs> so, wait, so if we're the Three Stooges and Jamie shows up from time to time, is Jamie Shemp? No, nah, he's like the Harlem Globetrotter showing up on Scooby, man. It's a cool thing. And we have a guess. It's like Sonny and Cher are showing up. But when Zaha shows, it's Jonathan Winters. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. I'll be, I'll be a Harlan Globetrotter. Yeah, I totally meant it as a compliment. It's like, you know, when you tune into Scooby back in the day and they'd be like, Scooby-Doo. And they'd be like, featuring the Harlem Globetrotters. You'd be like, 
Or Batman Everybody. and Robin. Yeah. Yes. Did you know they came yeah, which, out with a Cartoon Network has a newer version? Um, it's Scooby-Doo and Guess Who? No. And it, it's on almost, I guess the season's probably over by now, but they have all brand new uh, co-hosts or guest stars. Huh. We, uh, interesting. We found the one, the Batman, the Brave and the Bold with Scooby-Doo. That's on what's called Max now, but it was HBO Max when we were watching. That was really good. I enjoyed the Batman, Brave and Bold, especially the, the uh, Music Moisture episode. Yes, that and the Scooby-Doo crossover, because I remember the first one with Adam West and Bird Word on Scooby-Doo doing that, and I can't find that anywhere. So if anybody's got a lead for that for me, let me know, because I was trying to t- explain this to Christine, and I don't know if Christine really remembered it either. She also didn't know what a whammy was because she's too young, but I digress. Anyways, so we have Damian Priest winning Money in the Bank, so we will see what goes on from there. I was trying to think of a whammy-related pun, but I'm sure we'll get there. What were everyone's picks on that again? I picked Logan Paul, which obviously didn't didn't work out. And I Chris think I like nine. And, and Jamie in retrospect picked Damian Priest. Um, we're just going to say that Jamie went 100% across the board on this show because he wasn't with us for, for the preview episode. <laughs> I wasn't with you, but in my own little world, I was thinking Priest. So, well, hey, I mean, that, like I said, good call could have went any one of those three ways that we called. So, but at least it was one of those three and we didn't end up like the time we picked anybody but Orange Cassidy and Orange Cassidy ended up winning. Yeah, 21 other choices and that's who won. Yeah. Well, Tony's going to do, well, just to go elsewhere for a moment, Tony's going to do whatever he can to get Orange Cassidy over. That's his boy. I'm not, as, I'm not as harsh as Cornette. I'm not totally against him, but I don't totally get it either. Gimmick aside, if you put the gimmick aside, he can actually wrestle. It's just yeah. sometimes he gets they caught up in that good. gimmick. But does the gimmick have legs? No pun intended. <laughs> You know what I mean? But like, how far can you go with the guy who keeps his hands in his pockets for a lot of his stuff? At what point do you run out of ideas for that gimmick? That's my only thing with it. You know, I I totally see the appeal. I understand why kids think it's cool and funny and ironic or whatever. I totally get Orange Cassidy, but I just don't understand long term, like how far you could go with him still doing that. You know, I mean, he might turn into Ronda Rousey <laughs> at some point. I will see. I, I, I will see. Tag team partner. Which one? I mean, I'm surprised. Well, I mean, Darby might beat him up. Who knows? But uh, I, I will say this: anytime he does the no hands jump through the ropes, or he has his hands in the pot, that's cool to me. I don't care how many times I see it. That that to me is just a. It just looks cool. And I'm sorry. Whenever I think of Orange Cassidy, I think of him doing the the hit shin kicks to Sting. And what must have been going through Sting's mind is at least I'm getting paid for this shit. Yeah, as long as the check clears. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of Ronda Rousey, the next match was for the Unified Women's tag team championships of Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez against Shayna Baszler and some other woman. Um, I will say this and I don't know if this was intentional or if each knew this when this was going to happen. The crowd wasn't that into this match. I think they were a little deflated because of Priest winning, which got got a decent pop. They kind of quieted down for this match. Let me tell you though, as soon as that I'm going to call it a face turn. As soon as that face turn happened, the crowd lit up like the 4th of July. Yep. Like everybody came, came alive for it. It wasn't too much going on in the match. I mean, it, it was fine. I mean, every time Ronda got in the ring, nobody cared. And yeah, the, the fans have totally turned on Ronda. Yep. It's, it's no longer heel heat. It's go the fuck away. And I think we're going to get our wish here sooner than later. But yeah, that's why I, I, Come on, none of the four of us saw this ending coming. No, not at all. And if this means that we put Shayna over Big over Ronda at SummerSlam and Ronda leaves the company, it couldn't happen fast enough or in a better way. She needs to go. Nobody is interested in her being here, including her. So... 
feel like I talked what? about Shayna going solo. Yeah, well, it, yeah, you were they could put Shayna over quick at SummerSlam on her and a dominating win. You just created a new person to challenge for the uh, women's title with Rhea. Yeah. Oh yeah, and they could have a hell of a match. Oh, hell yeah. of a few. So yeah, that's I think that's the direction they should go because who are the challengers for Rhea on Raw right now? I would They're totally be one. So I would totally I, be one. Yeah, her storyline is more involved with what's happening with Dominic than wrestling any other women. Wait, you mean to tell me that Natalia is not a serious contender? Well, she's <laughs> in that good, and she I don't think she's doing too hot on the main roster. She's been around for too long. I mean, <laughs> Natalia's hot. Patty's more worried about her uh, getting the Guinness World Record people to come and give her meaningless awards yes. so that Speaking she can validate what she's done, which, that, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do, whatever. But she's not a threat. There isn't anybody they've presented as a threat for Rhea. So I think that's what we're doing here is Ronda's contract's coming up. She's going to put her friend over. And I don't know if you guys didn't see Raw, you need to check out the segment with Shayna and Ronda from Monday night. Shayna was on fire on the mic. It was great. Shayna is legitimately scary. Okay, so I would legitimately be scared of her. Ronda, I'd probably start laughing at. I kind of hope she changes her look a little bit, though. You know, go away from like the, the burglar eye makeup. It's like the hamburglar, <laughs> the hamburglar look. Yeah, robble robble. She needs to go back to the NXT look that she had when she was a legit badass. Are you are you saying you don't like Shayna's uh, nightman look? I'm getting ready to say, Drew, you're probably not there yet, and you're always sunny watch. But as you're making your way through the seasons and you get to the night and cometh at the end of season four, you will exactly see where where Rhonda's look came from. It is my all-time favorite It's Always Sunny episode. I'm sorry. It's in my top five. It's I'm a very tremendous right now with that show because the next episode that is in the queue waiting to go is titled Deb is Dating a... Yeah, but it's, it's that's a good yeah. episode. Trust me. Yeah, like I explained to Christine the other night, it's always funny. It's kind of like the live action South Park where they don't stop at that's one. Good, they good way to put it. <laughs> they they don't stop at one. They do it to everybody. Everybody gets it. Yeah, and it's Danny DeVito. Who, if anybody has anything bad to say about Danny DeVito, get the fuck off the podcast. Get the fuck out of the group. Dude is a saint. He's I'm going to shock you guys. I've only seen sporadic episodes of uh, Always Sunny. And I'm I just so lucky. Watching. It's my all-time favorite TV show of everything I've ever seen, hands down. There's it's some just, wild shit going on. There. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just oh, wait to get oh, and it only better. gets worse. The hostage episode was killing me the other day. Yes, with the McFoils. <laughs> the McFoils. Your, your, your eyebrow is so... <laughs> together and the, the way the McFoyle sister licks her lip all the time oh, God. <laughs> I, had to, it was to, uh, I had to take a shower <laughs> gross dude that little show is gross oh yep. oh there are plenty wars coming let me tell you there are plenty yeah. plenty wars so you're like <laughs> when he says war he means better <laughs> yes. Yeah, we get Liv and Raquel getting the titles back because they never lost them. The Shayna turn was amazing. I have to say, though, if you were just going to have them drop the titles and Shayna turn on Ronda, you could have had the turn happen when they were unifying the titles against Alba Fire and Isla yeah. Dawn and let them keep the belts and feud with Liv and Raquel. So they had a four-way match for the number one contender for the women's title or a, it was either a four-way match or a eliminator challenge, whatever. And I'm trying to remember who won. Chelsea and... Uh, yeah, Chelsea and Sonya. Sonya. should be good. I like Sonya a lot and Chelsea's okay. But it Chelsea was kind of clear... Chelsea Green's my buddy, by the way. Do what? Chelsea Green's my buddy. Oh, yeah? I got a Chelsea Green story for you down the line. Okay. Well, 
it was kind of clear that they were going to be the winners because they were the only heel team in the match. And like, you're not going to have the the hot faces with the belts face one of these face teams. It's clearly going to be Chelsea and Sonya, but it should be fine. I just feel like Alba Fire and Isla Dawn really gelled as a team and deserved a little bit of a chance on the main roster with the titles. Yeah, this must have been a decision just made within a couple days before the show. I just want to see more Isla Dawn's booty. That's all. That's right, I said it. Yep. You're not wrong. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Michael just sent me the link. The the Batman Scooby-Doo is two ninety nine on Amazon. So, bye, everybody. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, sir. Thank, yep. thank you. You're you are truly a saint and a gentleman. So Shayna beats up Ronda, hopefully sends her home packing back under the troll bridge in which she came from. So next up we have, was it Cody and Dominic next? Nope. Gunther versus Riddle. Okay. I, see I, I, I had him switch around. My apologies. I think we all across the board picked Gunther on this one and pretty much what it yeah. needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. It, it could have gone a little bit longer. Those four extra minutes that Cena had could have gone to this match. Yes. Because and Riddle worked great with Gunther, I thought, and yep. a little bit more time for him to sell or to get another hope spot in right. it would have just made it shine a little bit more. Yep. I mean, I don't think Gunther can have a bad match with anybody, and this was a good match to very good match, but it could have been great with just a little bit more time. Him working the ankle and the foot of Riddle, I thought was genius, especially how it played yeah. into the ending. Well executed. Mm-hmm. And Gunther's a monster. Okay, there's no other way to say it, and for him, the sky is the absolute limit and beyond. He's money down the line I, without a doubt. Yeah. Future so, world champion. Yes. Yes, totally. I mean, he the return of Drew. Yeah. Yes. That was because that was awesome. At first I thought I'm terrible anymore with some of the theme music. I tend to tune that stuff out when we're watching Raw and SmackDown because I'm usually doing something else, talking with some of you guys on Facebook or posting in the group, doing something. So I tune out a lot of the theme music. So I hear music hit at the end of the match and I'm like, oh man, they're not having Priest cash in his money in the bank contract for the IC title, are they? And Axon was like, no, that's Drew McIntyre's music. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. We get big meaty men slapping meat for the IC title at SummerSlam now. That's going to be fantastic. I can't wait for that match. Well, they sucked me in right away because I thought it was Austin's music. Oh, okay. With the loud crash. But th- right. I was excited to see Drew come out. I mean, I was fearing he was going to leave and get lost in AEW. So it's good to see that he probably re-signed a contract and is going to stay around. Well, I just saw something last night that said his future still uncertain that it hasn't really? been yes. Yeah. So I don't know if this is an enticement to keep him around. I think it would be a mistake on his part to leave because while he maybe isn't in the main event picture here, he's at a level that he can always be elevated up to a main event instantly. Agreed. Just by scheduling him a segment with somebody on Raw or SmackDown. So in AEW, he's just going to get lost like so many other guys. Yeah, he's, and, he's forever over. He's got a pinfall win over Brock. Yeah, he's a made guy here. And then uh, his run to me is one of the greatest what ifs in recent history because his run was during the pandemic and that's really unfair. Imagine some of his big moments in front of crowds like that. The oh, pop yeah. that and, yeah. and I think we've discussed this on here before even. The pop that he would have gotten kicking out of that F5 at one. Dude, 
I lost my shit. I'm thinking somebody in that North Carolina apartment next to me thought somebody got murdered with how much I was screaming at the television <laughs> when that happened. And hell, even Christine was really excited too. And she doesn't really get too into it like that. But even she was like, hell yeah. And Drew's work's only improved since then. That's right. I Because they had to match that stole WrestleMania, in my opinion. Him, Sheamus, and Gunther. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. God, yeah. That still might be my favorite match of the year so far. Right. Honestly. Um, too. Honestly, I think that might nipples were poking through a t-shirt watching that match. <laughs> Alright, Daddy Magic. Um, although, uh, he is only my second favorite guy named Drew, and I wonder how he feels about Crab Rangoon. <laughs> I'm sure Drew Carey will be happy to hear that. <laughs> He's a Hall of Famer, you know. Yeah, oh, yes. yeah. Dude, his spot what was it, 01? Rumble was fantastic, where he's like throwing money at Kane, and then all of a sudden like a, a hardcore guy's getting in there, he waves the crowd and jumps out. That was freaking great. Yeah, the old fuck this spot, like, fuck this, I'm on here. <laughs> yep. Yep, waves of the crowd and jumps the fuck out of there. And that era of wrestling was perfect for a celebrity to pop in at the Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah. It, just made, it made perfect sense at the time for whatever damn reason. Yeah, because it was so in the pop culture vein and it was still at that Attitude Era popularity that it was still a very cool thing in general. So it made a lot of sense. He also had a highly underrated comedy back in the day, but we're, we're getting way too far off topic and we start talking about the Drew Carey show. <laughs> yeah, so let's bring it back around. I love that show, yeah. But next time I'm on, let's talk Drew Carey, though. Right. <laughs> yes. Speaking of Cleveland, shout out to Ron Sauce Gardner. <laughs> MVP, baby. That's right. Forever in a day, our friend. Always be closing. That's right. Yeah. Hashtag be like Ron. But let's go from Sauce Gardner to Homelander, Cody Rhodes versus Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> This was a good match. Dom has just just such amazing douchebag heel heat. Thank you. Everybody hates that guy. Dominic is a modern day Buddy Landell, dude. I was sitting there watching that. I'm like, he is the chicken shit, ultimate chicken shitness of the chicken shits. And he plays it perfectly. Yeah. And he also cuts a better heel promo than Don Callis on the AEW. But does he have a bag of scoops on him at all times? Now, according to our boy Fletcher Bailey, Dominic Mysterio may not be having to do too much of a stretch with this character because he was a little douchey when Fletcher met him not too long ago. But see, then I've also heard the exact opposite, though, that he is so far removed from his character. Uh, he, Fletcher said that once Priest told Dom that Fletcher was cool, that, that Dom was, was all right to him then. But he said he started out very much being that douchebag guy. So he may have just been playing up the character and keeping it kayfabe. <laughs> Maybe Dom thought he was Miro and, you know, wanted to get some, you know. Right. He was worried about mingling with the AEW talent. Yes. See, there, there you go. Well, that's probably what it was. I didn't think to mention that to Fletch, but yeah, that's probably what it was. But Cody gets the win. I mean, I expect a little more out of this, but it was what it needed to be. Dom got the rub. Dom continues to work with top level talent and shows that he belongs there. You know, if you had asked me a year ago, I'd be like, hey, you're kidding me. But here he is working every top guy in the company he can and looking really good doing it now you know and this prepares cody for the inevitable third showdown coming up with brock at SummerSlam. so yeah, which we immediately got to kick off raw monday night if you didn't see yes rollins came out to start the show didn't even get a chance to talk or cody came out and then uh he calls out brock i don't even know if he got to call out brock yet. and brock's standing at the top of the ramp smiling and cody comes after him they get pulled apart and then later in the show cody issues a challenge to brock <laughs> hopefully we get i'm thinking hell in a cell but maybe they do a last man standing match. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I think there'll be some sort of gimmick match to wrap this up between them. Would you suggest maybe a Punjabi prison? I would not. Surprisingly enough, I would not. <laughs> 
with the great Kali as referee. Yeah. Hell yeah. That would be the slowest recount in history. <laughs> He'd have to do the old Bronco Lubitsch foot stomp because I'm not getting down to count the near falls. <laughs> I still think Dom's destiny here is they're going to have him come out and say that the, uh, what do they call the test? The fraternity? The fraternity test was rigged back in the early 2000s and Eddie Guerrero is really his dad. And then you bring Vicky back and let her join Judgment Day also. If they if they want to split him off as a single, that with his stepmom Vicky as his manager could be kind of interesting. But I feel like they're giving him so much of this douchebag heel heat that we're going to see a face turn by, by main next year where he comes out to save Ray for something and think the pop will be huge because the fans will have hated him long enough that they'll be glad to see him saving his dad. Yeah, but Maybe then he's, he's worthless after that. You'll get the well, pop. Could be. But, I mean, unless he wants out of the business, he, he, should, he should just keep him healed as long as they can afford to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that would be like so, when Virgil turned on Million Dollar Man. But, yeah. And where's Virgil today? Selling autographs outside your local uh, flea market. Olive Garden. Yeah. I would like to point out, though, that Dom came away from his media with Miro, extremely impressed with Miro's brother, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to JB. Yes. What up, John Boy? What up, Aiden English? (laughs) A man of many names. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) But not faces. Yes. (laughs) Because that would just be weird. So, all right. Moving on. I I believe the Cena segment was next. Yeah, Yeah. we covered that. We covered that. So then we've got the women money in the bank match. Which was awesome. Yes. I've got to say, that's one of the most creative finishes I've seen in a while. And it made what seemed like a wasted, worthless spot with the handcuffs early on into something brilliant. Yep. So I don't know who came up with that. I don't know what agent, whose idea that was. Kudos. That was fantastic. Yeah, that spot definitely came out of nowhere. Yeah. And now you set up a, a future Bailey Becky uh, return. Yeah, I thought yeah. they shot it perfectly, too. Because like, as soon as EO clicked that handcuff onto Bailey, the look of surprise on her and Becky looking back at each other like, oh, no. And then the look of resignation when they're like, we are screwed. Yeah. Oh, man. Trying, it was trying just, to get up there and grab her and stop her. Yeah. It was, it was, so it was perfect. Great. It was an awesome finish. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was close. She had a couple of really close hope spots there to get a hold of the briefcase and took a big, big bump, too. The power bomb she gave to Zoe Stark. Thank God Zoe got her hands behind her head on that because that looked. Oh, yeah. A hell of a bump. It was incredible. I'm glad they showed it on the replay that she got her hands behind her head because I was really concerned there because it look terrible though. I thought Stark came off very well in this and, and she definitely deserves that promotion from NXT. Agreed. She's very solid in the ring. She cannot cut a promo to save her life but she is very good in the ring. Well she has Trish for that right now while, right. Yeah. while yeah. she develops. She's great as a heater. She, as a heater for somebody she's perfect right now and I mean ideally I think you'd end up with her in a tag team with somebody that can talk going forward because I, I tried her as a single and pushing her towards the title in, in NXT and there's just not much in the way of charisma there, unfortunately. So I think she's got a somewhat limited ceiling, but you can definitely do some things with her and get value. Maybe her and a Sonya Deville team would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. And now I imagine EO, Sky, you can use her to get the belt off either uh, Asuka or Rhea. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, like, like a, uh, a Shayna Baszler Rhea thing where they beat the hell out of each other and EO comes down and cashes after the match, or maybe even something very similar. I use an Asuka before. Uh, Charlotte can get the belt. Right. I think you could insert EO into the current Oscar Bianca Charlotte triangle potentially 
I think you could use her to be opportunistic versus Shayna and Rhea. I also think, I don't know if any of you guys watched the post-show press conference they did on yeah, Peacock. No. Here, I assumed that EO winning and handcuffing Bailey to Becky and all was like the split for, I don't want to say Judgment Day like the ring announcer did. <laughs> Misidentify the group here. Damage control. Caught that. Oh, did you? She went on Twitter and said she blamed Rhea Ripley for being on her mind as to why she said it wrong. I was like, wait, wait, seriously? This just happened thanks to Kevin Dignam, who watched it like a day or so after and confirmed I was not hearing things. But I thought that was going to be the end of damage control. But on the post-show press conference, they came out and spoke together, and they said that damage control won the briefcase. So... I'm curious if this is going to be uh, somewhat similar to the men's side where the briefcase ends up a catalyst to split the group. And does Bailey try and use the briefcase sometime and EO has to stop her because it's her briefcase, really? I I think there's at least an interesting dynamic if they're going to work together as a team still and, you know, maybe both come out with the briefcase and the champ doesn't have any idea who's cashing in or what's happening. There's a different story you can tell if they're working together and like sharing the briefcase versus splitting them up immediately right now over the briefcase. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Would it be like the Freebird rule with the briefcase? Any member can cash it in from their group. It kind of reminded me of, do you remember when Michelle McCool and Layla L were both Leva's champion and they had like the half titles? They had like the belt that was split in half. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I, I don't, I mean, it's not going to be a, a goofy, campy thing like that was, I don't think. But the fact that you don't know which one of them might be able to cash in on you, like they could both come out to the ring and both go over to cash it in and you don't know which one. Or, I mean, would they allow them to say damage control is cashing in the briefcase and then they both get involved? Bailey has power of attorney over their contracts or something. Right. I mean, there's so many different ways you can go with it from the standpoint of them saying damage control won the briefcase. So I'm curious what they're plans are with this, assuming they do have an actual plan. Well, they're going to have to go back to it because Monday night, it only seemed like they were talking about EO winning it. The same, we talked earlier about Rhea needing challengers. Maybe EO would be the one to go in and be the giant killer. Could be. I mean, she looked fantastic against Bianca there in Puerto Rico. Yes. And, you know, you got kind of the preview of EO as a face at that point because she was the de facto face in that match thanks to the crowd there. So, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I was fine to be wrong about this. I'd pick Bailey, and I'm very content with EO being the one to win it. I definitely didn't think Zoe would win it at all, and I didn't think there was any way Becky or Trish would. So, even if Zelina had won, I would have been happy because she's come along way in the last, I don't know, six months. Yeah, that would have been a pure upset, but I could have seen that happen. So, all right. So, moving on now, gentlemen, to the World Heavyweight title match between Ben Balor and Seth Rollins. Again, Mike, with that fancy sparkly booking hat, I think pretty much called the entire <laughs> conclusion of this. Uh, pretty close. I mean, I thought it would be a roll-up. From behind, brother. From the distraction. Exactly, yeah. I thought there Priest was going to roll up with some roll-up and lead to Finn getting rolled up, but <laughs> it was the same basic idea where Priest comes out looks like he's going to cash in going to distract Seth and it ends up being a bigger distraction for Finn and costing Finn the match because Finn is paranoid so when I watched this one on Saturday I said damn Mike had it yeah I I was shocked that I was that close to the actual complete finish there but I I think it was well done and it furthers the storylines so and I think I don't think Seth is long for the title I think one of Judgment Day takes it off of him I'm just not sure which one now 
it. That's why I thought Logan Paul in the Money in the Bank match, because him and Seth had prior history, and I just I didn't feel like Seth was going to have the belt long. Yeah. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it could be that Finn and Priest ends up canceling each other out. Because another reason why I was okay with LA Knight not winning the briefcase, just to go back to that for a second, I'm not sold that Priest gets a successful cash-in. I'm not willing to say yet that I think he's going to use this to become champion. I think it's maybe going to be more of a plot device and a catalyst to make him a bigger star for next year, maybe. I mean, he does have a, a full year to use it. Maybe he doesn't cash it in until after Mania sometime next year. But I do think that just the briefcase itself is going to be important. So, But this was a good match. I don't think you can have a bad match with Seth and Finn. No. no. I'm curious to see where it goes from that. I have to agree with Mike that I think Seth is not long for his title, which isn't a bad thing. I don't think he really needs the title at this point. No, I think he's one of those guys that I, they put the belt on him to help make the new title as opposed to the, the belt making the man. He's the man making this title initially and making it feel important, establishing it and the importance of this title. And I think if, if you were going that route, he was the guy to do that. I still maintain that Finn should have won it to give him that win over Seth and win that title to not necessarily make up for having to relinquish the title when he got hurt a couple of years ago, but sort of in that vein, you know, his chance, giving him his actual chance to have the belt and run with it. I also feel like, too, the way that they've kind of positioned Drew now with his comeback, he's obviously going to work with Gunther, and signs point to him probably being the next IC champ, which opens Gunther up to move into the world title picture, I believe. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a possibility. I mean, I just saw, it would uh, make sense to put Gunther in that picture. I mean, if it does, I mean, anything else would just be a waste of everything you've built with this run of his. I just saw a clip. I mean, you could have those two guys wage war over the IC title, and then in the in-between time, Gunther beats Rollins. You have your Intercontinental title tournament, and then you throw the belt on McIntyre. Yeah. I saw a clip of Paul Heyman, and I'm not sure if this was a recent... I don't know. Is he still doing, like, one-man shows? Does anybody know? Is this uh, is what sure. this looked like it was from? But he was talking about... So He said, somebody asked me, how, how do you make a main event scene or whatever? He said, you take your two main eventers, and you have them work with each other, and then you have each of them work with two guys. Now you have four main eventers. You have those four main eventers work with four new guys. You get them over. Now you mix some of them around. Now you have eight main eventers. And I feel like that's what they're doing here. You know, Drew's been a world champ. He's been at the very top. Now he's working with Gunther and Gunther. I mean, he probably really is already a main event guy, but you're by having him work with another main event guy, you're solidifying him at that level. And then whoever Gunther or Drew works with next can get pulled up to that level. And you're just building the depth in your roster and bringing more guys up to that upper mid card main event level and getting them at least on that cusp so that when you're ready to bring them fully to the main event picture, they're there and you've given a basis and a, some groundwork to their ascension to the main event, basically. Did you notice most of all this stuff is Raw related? Yeah. Most, most of these matches on this show, so they're putting concentrated effort into pumping up Raw. Yeah, I mean, you've got the bloodline that's SmackDown, and I guess, I think EO and Bailey. I think Damage Control is SmackDown, but yeah, for the most part, it's all Raw talent, so I wonder if we're getting kind of a, a sneaky version of the brand-specific pay-per-views without them being specifically brand-specific. Because remember, they used to alternate. You'd have the big four shows, and then the other shows would alternate between Raw and SmackDown when 
they were doing the brand split. So I wonder if that's kind of what this was. He was this was really a raw pay per view, but with just a tiny little bit of SmackDown sprinkled in. And then right. I wonder if well, we get enough one that's the other way. Well, even uh, Damage Control has appeared a lot more in Raw than they have on yeah. SmackDown, especially since the draft occurred. It'll be interesting to see whatever's after SummerSlam. The SummerSlam will clearly be everybody. But I don't even know what's after that. So now we move on to the main event, the Bloodline Civil War. You have the Usos, Jimmy and Jay versus Roman and Solo with their advocate, Paul Heyman. I'm just going to stop and give myself a pat on the back. I didn't think I was going to call it correctly, but I was pretty dead on with this. Yeah, you deserve some accolades there because you nailed it. I I didn't think I was going to nail Good it pretty much. I seriously didn't think. I was like, okay, you know, this is what could happen. But I don't think there was a better way to goad it into the next chapter of this story without one of the Usos pinning Roman and it had to be Jay. But this tag team match was perfection. I mean, a lot of people online are complaining, oh, it took too long. You no, know, because they were telling a story. It was a very slow burn in the story because these four guys knew each other. They're family. I mean, I read somewhere they didn't lock up to like six minutes into the match because they're sitting there jaw at each other. I actually got worried going into this match after watching one of the Usos interviews that they all might uh, hug after this thing was over. So, and it was just going to be a you know a one shot. But I'm glad that that was the finish. Now you're setting up for SummerSlam. Yeah. Not man. not that Roman's losing the belt to Jimmy, but they'll probably get one or two uh, premium live events out of that afterwards. I don't know. I think that they've made such a big deal of main event in Jey Uso. I would not be surprised at all to see the belt go on him for a while and and give him a shot because he did a lot of heavy lifting over the last two, three years, however long this whole bloodline thing has run. He's been a major piece of it. So I think the whole problem is it to me, it seems like Cody's got to be the one that beats Roman. So it, even if you just have Jay with a quickie title hold, that kind of takes a shine off of Cody a little bit when he does win it at WrestleMania next year. Yeah, I can see that. I just don't think that Roman necessarily ties into Cody's storyline going forward, but we'll see what they do. I, I know there are a lot of people that see that. I feel like Cody ends up with the belt that's on Raw right now and he gets to be like the guy and set a long record title run with that one. But they've got a lot of time and a lot of ways they can go. So I think part of it will depend on how much longer Roman wants to, if he wants to keep running and doing this for a while or if he wants a break. And they have the right man in charge as long as Vince can stay out of it. Right. Right, exactly. I know people complained that this was, I saw people saying it was slow, it was boring until the last five minutes. But it, this, this match was never going to be a spot fest. It was never going to be some fast-paced kind of thing. This was a straight-up family feud grudge match. And it was me proving to you why I'm better than you on Roman's side. And we're showing you that we carried you, not the other way around, on Jimmy and Jay's side. So what the match was, was what it needed to be. And it told an amazing story. It wasn't It wasn't ever going to be some kind of car crash, crazy match. It was what the storyline has dictated. I don't understand criticism of it, because if you were going in expecting it to be some nonstop action kind of thing, you haven't been paying attention to what they're doing or the story that they've been telling. Agreed. Yeah, it was storytelling 101. Yeah, excellent analogy, Mike. Great execution. And being on the Money in the 
bank card where you have two of those nonstop action high spot left and right kind of matches with the ladder matches anyway that's why it worked so well on this show because it was in contrast to the money in the bank matches so i i don't i don't understand any criticism of it because it delivered exactly what i was hoping for and then even exceeded that by jay actually getting to pin roman which i didn't think they would do so i'm glad spiker was right on that it just it made the most sense if you're gonna have one of them challenge roman you have to and they made the mistake of harping too much on it oh roman hasn't been pinned since december of 2019 they may mention that one too many times yeah once they i mean they said it what like three or four times saturday easily and yeah at that point it's like okay i think spiker's gonna be right but even then i thought at one point they were gonna have roman go over yeah and you know i was sure what the outcome was gonna be and they actually pulled me in and suckered me on one of the false finishes that it was gonna go the other way so yep job yeah i mean the spot that got me was the samoan spike spear spot and then he stacked them up because they made mention of that and then when they kicked out on my point there's no way in hell they can lose this match yeah. and Roman's look knew it Roman's facial expression at that point was like what are we gonna do and that's well, like and, there's, and there's Solo, no way Solo's face on the apron like I mean we've talked so much about how great Roman has been with every little intricate detail Solo was fantastic with those kind of things in this match. I mean, it's shown a lot of growth in him as a performer and a worker in the time he's been up on the main roster and involved in this because he didn't have all of these little tricks in his bag down in NXT. He seemed very green in NXT and he seems like a seasoned vet of 10 years up here on the main roster now. And it's amazing how quickly he's come along. And they better make the most of him now because in another two or three years, he may be the size of his dad. Very possible. Yeah. Very possible. All right. Well, that wraps up the show. Like I said, incredible show from top to bottom. I watched it twice in the span of two days and absolutely loved it. So yeah, it was great. I need to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, I'll give it a double thumbs up. Yep. Another solid outing by the E. Yep. I'm looking forward to SummerSlam and what they do there. I'm definitely feeling, you know, definitely feeling some kind of way about it. So. We will be back in a couple weeks with a SummerSlam preview show. Right. In addition to our finishing up the Crockett Cup coverage, if you're listening to this, the day after this drops will be round three of the Crockett Cup tournament, followed by round four of the finale the week after. So in addition to you listening to this, me and my good, good friends here have something we'd like to share for those of you listening who have listened to this whole episode. So we're nearing the end of the Crockett Cup coverage, and we've all decided as a group, we've done a lot of wrestling stuff. Now, we enjoy talking wrestling, but we enjoy variety. Variety is the spice of life, unless it's Crab Rangoon. Crab Rangoon is life. No. So we want you, the faithful listeners of The Other Ship, we want your suggestions. What kind of things should we talk about? Is there a certain topic you want the brain trust here to cover on future episodes? Because we're looking for any and all topics. We have, a, we have a laundry list, but we want to reach out to you. So I want you, after you hear this episode, I want you to go on Facebook. Go, go on to our Facebook group, The Other Ship. Mention that you listened to this episode and toss us your idea. I'm going to go a step further here. Listen to the episode, go to the group, LSU listen to it, give us your idea for a topic that you are knowledgeable about and you want to come on and talk with Drew and Chris and I and Bill and whoever else might be on that week. Potentially even Jamie. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? What can you bring to the table and we can do an episode about or a segment about? If you don't want to post it in the group, you're afraid somebody might steal your idea, message one of us. Yes. Hit us up on Messenger and let us know what do you think you could come on the show and talk about? 
Let's hear it. We, we are ready and open for almost any idea. I say almost because I know how some of y'all think sometimes. Exactly, yeah. We have to draw the line with a few people at least. Yes. Nothing but love for you, but come on. You know, you guys are Barry Rose people. So that makes you the people. The people yes. need to step up and speak out. Yes. And plus, if part of the winning prize is you get to come on with the three of you guys, you can't beat that. I'm honored enough to have been on a couple times now. I want to hear other people besides myself talk. Come on, people. Step up. Give some suggestions. And I want to hear you on the show. Yes. Right. And that is all the people need to know. That's right. I will do our regular plugs here. We've got NASPOD, Not Another Sports Podcast with Jason D'Agostino. Find that where you listen to your podcasts. We have Shoreline Gyms Facebook page. They're currently running an other ship a giveaway. So get involved. Check that out. Like the page. Follow the page. Share the page. Be get one in- with the page. <laughs> get involved to try and win a piece of beach jewelry. We've got What's the Vibe podcast. Check out. Uh, Amy and Katie. We've got the Josephines, josephines.net. Get your t-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, stickers, albums, CDs. Support the guys. Listen to their music. You can hear them Saturday nights after 9.30 on WCKM 98.5 and the WCKM app, Benji Fido and Only Gold Saturday night. And we also have the WrestleCopia shows, uh, Regional Wrestling, Jamie Ward and Ray Russell talking about 81 Georgia and Ray Russell and Roman Gomez talking about 86 Mid-South. Myself and Ray will be recording a couple shows next week, so we're going to have a few in the can. You guys have been keeping me so busy. I, I, <laughs> I've neglected my duties with Ray. But, Sorry, Ray. Uh, but I'll be returning back with Ray, so there'll be uh, plenty of Georgia content out there, and you definitely have to listen to it just for Ray. Not for me, for Ray. The guy's phenomenal. That's right. Thanks for getting us some time with Jamie there, Ray. We appreciate you sharing his knowledge here with us. Check so, out Rocopia's page on T Public. Also, they have a storefront there where I just got some stickers to represent uh, the gang. So, want to thank WrestleCopia for uh, their fine online products. So, support them. Check out our storefront after you buy some WrestleCopia stuff and buy some other ship stuff. That's right. Bella agrees. So, we will see you guys on our next regularly scheduled episode, round three of the Crockett Cup, coming out on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Peace. Adios, muchachos. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.